You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right. This week, we are finishing up a month-long series of conversations uh, wrestling with this question, can we make smaller worship venues viable? Um, A lot of this comes out of uh, the recent experience that we have had as a church formation where uh, we have had constant headaches trying to find uh, rental spaces and also lost the ability to be where we had been for a number of years. And so as a result of a lot of that, we took a fresh look at this ministry center that we have leased for the last three years, and we've always thought that it was too small for us to be able to worship in. But when we came to that with fresh eyes and a little bit of creativity, we found a space we believed might work. And so we started into it as an experiment. And by God's grace, uh, the last two months have been really great here. And so we've been talking about as a result of the high cost of large venues, of the uh, challenges of availability of larger spaces, and then also the irregularity of attendance uh, that so many churches are experiencing right now. Um, We've been wrestling with this question of could smaller spaces like the one we have be a viable option for so many churches around the country that are having an experience similar to ours, especially those that are meeting in mobile environments, Mm -hmm. like so many church plants. Yep. And so uh, we've talked about some of the problems that do come with large venues that this can solve. We talked about the opportunities that are bound up in using smaller venues. And then last week, we had a really honest conversation about the challenges that we have had, a challenge, challenges that anybody that's going to use a small space are going to experience. This week, we're going to talk about some of the unique decisions that we have made in order to make this space work, which I think will be helpful for people to understand, like, I mean, we've had to make some really significant decisions yeah. that have been um, hard for some people, that have been a reason that a handful of people have chosen to find other churches because they've decided that based on these limitations, this is not the right fit for them. Oh, sure. And even as we sat and decided to move forward with the plan, uh, you know, the small team of people that we knew would help pull this off. We had to go into it eyes wide open, knowing some people are going to make that decision. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we, we have just had to institute, we'll share some of them here, but uh, a number of protocols, or if you're not really fond of that word, I guess you could call them rules. I don't know. They're (laughs) just like things that we have to do to make this work. The reality though, is even though we have had to choose some less desirable, uh, things, uh, some, you know, some of those like difficult leadership choices, uh, when faced with the option of we've got to make this work, or that's the end of the church, uh, or our church, 
um, I think that uh, having a few inconveniences uh, is worth it to keep what God's doing in here going. Yeah, because pretending that the limitations don't, like they are objectively limitations. Yeah. So pretending that they don't exist is not a thing. So we've had to just embrace them, acknowledge them, and figure out how to work around them. So I would say like in my own mind, the way that I've tried to think about it is, Based on these limitations that absolutely do exist, how can we best structure or what what rules do we need to put in place in order for us to best be the church that Jesus has called us to be? Exactly. And so, again, some of these specifics may not be necessary for you based on the environment that you might find yourself in. Um, they may not be in line with the church that you feel like Jesus has invited you to be. Like, we've got some really specific protocols regarding children in our service that we'll talk about today. And if you're like, no, we have, we, we love having kids in our service and we're a family worship church. Cool. Well then some of this won't apply to you, but that's not who we are. And so we've had to make some difficult decisions that again, even for you and I are like, they're not ideal. We're not pumped about them. This is just, these are the decisions that in order to be who we're, we feel like God's called us to be, this is what we had to do. Totally. And I would encourage you that if you're in a space that you're just like, this would never work. Um, we believed that for three years. Right. And it wasn't until we had to make it work. Right. Um, and, and we even tried to problem solve many things along the way. And then there'd be new problems. Yeah. And it would get real complicated because you're just like, <laughs> and we'd have to come up with a new solve. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, we might, we're only, again, a couple of months in, we might continue to have problems that arise that mm. we have to figure out and to solve. So let's talk about some of the unique choices that we've made. Um, I'll start us. We, uh, because we don't have a lobby, mm-hmm. we don't have a vestibule. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. If you've listened to anything in the last couple of months, you've probably heard us talk about that you, when you enter our space, you come right into the worship auditorium and not into the back, like mm-hmm. most churches, right into the middle of it, yep. like four rows from the front, basically. Yep. If, you, if the service is going on and you enter, of the people would be aware. Because first of all, in the winter or the summer, the temperature will change drastically (laughs) just due to the lack of even the vestibule thing. So like it, everyone knows. Yeah. So we are very committed to, I guess what I would call order in our worship service. Uh Um, I, I personally think that it's extremely important for us to get the most out of our time together with God, that people be able to be present and focused. And so as a result of that, distraction uh, diminishes our ability to do that. And so we try to diminish distraction as much as we can. So we can't have people, you know, inevitably in every church I've ever been a part of, let's say you start at 10 o'clock, you every week still have people coming in 15 minutes late. Mm -hmm. Well, if that happens in our service, again, that means the first 15 minutes. So a good percentage of the service is going to be terribly distracting because you have people coming in. So as a result of that, the first choice that we made was that we were going to build in connection time to our service. Yep. So the way that we communicate it is, excuse me, that our service starts at 10 o'clock. Yep. And the first 25 minutes of that time is a connection time. Mm-hmm. So we have donuts and we have music playing and we have the whole space that's open and people can mill around, say, help, bless you. It's podcasting when you're fighting a cold is the yeah. absolute worst. Mm-hmm. You're doing a, a really, signal. I know you're doing a really good job. We only have one 
like kill button on the mic. Uh-huh. Too. Um, but anyways, so we have people that are kind of all over the space. And the point of that time is to give people an opportunity to connect. But it is like that. It is unique. I've never been a part of a church ever before where the first 25 minutes, uh, like unless they call it like a fellowship time, but we right. don't. We just say service our service starts, starts at, at 10. 10 yep. So come and be here and let's catch up, have a donut. And hang out. Yeah. And once you call the church home, if you decide to play fast and loose with that and and disregard the first chunk of time, then that kind of leads us to point number two. Yeah. Uh, point number two is that we close our service at 1025. Right. Uh, so much so that we have A-frames we put out um, in the parking area mm-hmm. that say uh, service in progress. We invite you to join us next week at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for real. We've had people act like, well, you know, I mean, people actually can't come in or this. And, and the answer is no, because of that distraction, because of all the work that's gone into the service by the band and the rehearsal and all the production people and the kids people, it's already good. Like everything's happening. And so genuinely for both you as the person running that late and the rest of the people, it would not be a good experience for anyone. Yeah. I think um, the the main concern in that is new people who wouldn't know, and that's why we've given that 25-minute buffer. But genuinely, if you came and saw the A-frames and it was your first week because you were just running that late and all of that is – we're talking about a very – like a statistic anomaly. Mm-hmm. But still, let's say that happened. Um, you might be put off by the sign. I guarantee you, you will be 100% more put off <laughs> right. if you walked in and everyone's like – Hey man, how's it going? You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, it just it just isn't ideal. And so a great example before, like I was saying, I'm like, we're not thrilled with these things. I don't like it. Uh-huh. I've had several people in our church, they've wondered, um, why do we do that? Um, and the answer is because we have to make this work. Right. And and so it's not ideal. I would love to let people come until the last five minutes because you just never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with those five minutes. It's just not possible in our current space. Yes, and that's not a thing. I think it's we should be super honest about who this is for. In however many years you and I have been doing ministry yeah. together, we have never seen a new person come 25 minutes late. No. That's specifically why we set the time where we did. Yeah. Like in general, new people aren't late because they, come they early, don't they want don't to be signal, singled out. Right. So really, what this is is every church on the planet has a, a variety, like varying degrees of numbers of people who are just chronically late, yeah. like to everything in their life, not yep. just to church. Yeah. Like obviously, everybody like there's a trap, there's an accident, so there's like these freak things where people are like some people are just chronically late. Yep. And when you can enter into the back of the room and it disrupts nobody, that's fine. Right. But when you enter into the middle of the room, that doesn't work. No. And so we have had to make a decision to say like, we are going to try to maintain a distract as a, as distraction free environment as we can, which means we can't have people coming in at all times. We also close our children's Mm check-in at 10 20. So you literally can't check your kid in after 10 20, which brings us then to a couple of other points that we'll hit in just a second. So this, I would say has probably been the most, significant, I guess, decision that we've made. Um, and I, what I would say is I'm very pleased, even some of our people who do have a tendency just to be more late, 
every single person has honored it yeah. thus far. Yep. And they've just said like, we've actually had some of them go like, oh, I'm, I actually really appreciate right. the clear yep. expectation. And now I understand what that is actually going to be. Totally. Uh, so the next one is that we don't have kids in the service. Yeah. Um, and that is that kind of... Uh, significant one. I know that some people really believe that the family should worship together. I know there's all, you know, there's whole like streams of Christianity that like are into that. Um, we've never, you know, our thing has always been, it's fine as long as it's not a distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in a large room, uh, parents who come in and out with kids or that kind of thing, like it's plausible that that's not a distraction. Um, in this room, it's not possible because even the most well-behaved kid is like looking around at everyone mm-hmm. is playing with their trucks is like dropping their crayons is Mm -hmm. all of those kind of things. And in our small space with concrete floors, everything reverberates every, you know, silly look or something. And, and even, um, to be in a situation where like when a little kid looks at you, it's like the adult thing to do to like wave or Mm -hmm. to do something goofy to get them to smile. And it just is like, even if your kid is like mute, Mm-hmm. It still doesn't mean that it's going to work. Yeah. And to be clear, we're talking about young kids. So yeah. primarily like toddler down, like we have some grade school, like my son's in fourth grade. He sits yep. in the service because mm-hmm. he's in fourth grade and he can sit there the whole time. Um, but I, I would say like, I mean, I, I, this was probably your experience too. I remember growing up in church and there was no, like in my, the way my parents managed us. There was no misbehave, like there was no running around the room during the service or anything like that. Like I, we were very, very well trained in like, you're going to sit here, you're going to be quiet and you're going to listen. Yep. And I would say in my experience, as of the last 10 years, parents have gone a real different route <laughs> when they choose to keep their kids in the service. And there's just, they feel a lot more freedom to allow their kids to kind of do whatever it is that they want to do. Yep. And so we have had situations both in this venue and in venues of the past where, I mean, kids literally are just like walking up and down the rows. Yeah. And in this space, that does not work. You lose the entire room. Like whether, so whether you're teaching, whether you're during, you know, for worship, it just doesn't work. Now, one thing that we have done is we do bring our older kids from our children's ministry into the worship service for worship so that they can sing with us and be a part of that. And so that's been a way that we have tried to still incorporate them to the best of our ability and expose them to, to worship with us. But the having small kids in the room just does not work in a room this size. Uh, and then uh, lastly, we've had to limit the use of the space, which I know has been, especially for you, because of how I think what a passion it is for you to not have a space sit empty six days a week, which ours doesn't by any yeah. means. But there was a time when people were able to use this space in a variety of different ways. Yeah. And I think that um, whether it be, you know, I've commented before on uh, previous episodes, they've, you know, we've opened it up. I mean, people have held birthdays here. We held all kinds of church events here. We've let other organizations hold meetings and things like, cause it's a great space or it was a great space for that. Yeah. The problem is it was a co-working space. for a it, while. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. We'd had people come and take meetings here, all kinds of things we've had. Uh, yeah. All kinds of stuff has taken place. It's a multi-purpose space. Everyone gets that, but we've really had to focus on it's our church and that's the priority. And so as a result, like a room that used to be the warehouse or a room that used to be the theater is now kid space. Well, mm-hmm. you can't let people reconfigure your kid space for a quick meeting. Yeah. Um, 
and it's weird for them. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole They're thing is tiny weird. chairs, and so, and so we went from you know you could easily hold a hundred people here and have a great event to there's like two sofas that face each other that could comfortably seat six people total. And that's what we got. And even then you're sitting thigh to thigh and that's yep, weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we've got. Cause it just, it doesn't work otherwise. And we, you know, we have to make sure that it's going to be ready for Sunday mornings and all of that. And so again, something that we didn't want to see happen, something that I know from talking to some people in our church has felt disappointing. Um, and what we've had to do to make it work. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I think that that, you know, as far as, how you go about communicating these things, because we have tried to be very, very carefully. So let's talk about a couple of things that we've done. One is we really have tried to reiterate for people on the front end, our decision to move this direction, period, was was the only decision that we had. Yep. Like This was not only what was we believed was best for our church, we did, and it was also the only option. Yeah. And so help, helping people really understand when it comes to making some of these harder decisions, like this is a decision that we really have very little choice. Sure. In I mean, we ha- we're blessed to have someone in our church who her career, her job is like special event execution and management. So she's like in that space and knows all the spaces in Utah. And she reached out to how many? 17. 17 different spaces that just wouldn't work for us for one reason or another. And and I, I do think that being in Utah, we have some unique uh, roadblocks in that arena yeah. uh, that people might opt out just because of who we are. Um, but regardless, like we tried a lot. Yeah. This is what we got. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing that we tried to do is, and I think we mentioned this a few weeks back, but we started another weekly podcast just for our church called The Weekly, mm-hmm. where we are explaining the whys behind what we do. Yep. And we have given the first series of those to talking about all of this, explaining yeah, the heart protocols. Yeah. Explaining mm-hmm. the heart behind like, it, 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 there is not 1% of the decision to like put an A-frame out and to close the service at 1025 that is fueled by we don't care about people right. and we don't want people to be here. Like that would be right. so dumb. And it it's also not soul. about being obtuse about like timeliness. No. Um, it's just you ha- we have to pick a time. Yeah. So and that's the time we, we can We can close the service or we can have an environment that isn't filled with distractions so that people can be present and focused. But those two things are mutually exclusive. Here they are, yeah. In in this space. Yep. And so I think just really, really explaining the whys behind that stuff will really help you go a long way. And so again, and this is something that we've kind of hit on, I think, as you're thinking through whether or not you have an opportunity to move toward toward a smaller venue, I think the question really does come down to there are going to be pros and there are going to be cons. There are opportunities, there are challenges. And do the pros outweigh the cons? Is it worth it? And in our case, it has just absolutely certainly been better to have to say yes to and embrace some of those limitations, knowing that they're not ideal, but it has very much revitalized the life of our church. And I don't think that's an overstatement. It really has had that effect. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully we'll be praying that as you work to discern whether or not there's something in this for you, that hopefully some amount of this was uh, helpful to your situation, even though yours is going to be unique and different than ours. If we can be of any help to you, um, you're always welcome to reach out to us. 
Um, we're accessible on social media, but you can also email me, ryan at formationslc.com, and we'd be happy to, to help explain uh, anything else that maybe we haven't answered in this series. Um, but in the meantime, we would love to connect with you on social media in general. And so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, The Lighthouse, at ryanhugley.com. And you can find me on the same social platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.